Oh. Welcome, everybody, to the Fall Line with Chaos and Company. I'm Dave Caper, and I'm here with my partner on the podcast, Angelo Ross. Hey, Angelo, how's it going? Good. Hey. Good. I'm going to put a plug in. Yes, go for it. My first plug in 36 episodes. Um, We have a proper grassroots telemark scene, southwestern Pennsylvania. These guys and gals have been working hard to bring back a film called Telepalooza. That was a big hit for a lot of years. Uh, January 8th and 9th at Seven Springs. You can get details on telemarker.org. Not telemarketer. That would take you to an entirely different website. But telemarker.org, but um, great festival, two days, Saturday, Sunday, January 8 and 9. Uh, Kurt Burns is the spearhead on that. Mike Mayer also runs Appalachian Telemark Association and to honor the legacy of the grandfather of Southwestern Pennsylvania Telemark, Jim Cap. So it's it's worth a trip to ski at Seven Springs for those couple of days. Um, yeah. Get the Jay Nation the should be there, right? Yeah, and, and Jay yeah. Nation will be there. Oh, and yeah, and matter of fact, um, Keith Rodney and Jim Shaw will both be in attendance. Yeah, big event. Awesome. Big event. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt we'd have more of our Eastern Ed staff might hit that. We're finishing up with our um, staff training right before that, and I bet some people are heading down there to get down there with Jay and Jim and Rodney. So that'll be right. good. Spread the awesome. word. Spread the yeah, good word. That'll be good, huh? Yeah. Spend enough That'd time at awesome. spend enough time at the foggy goggle at Seven Springs. Ooh. You can the saying will hold true <laughs> that free your heel and land on your face. Oh, and then yeah. those telly guys roll you out to the parking lot for caviar and aqua v, and then who knows mm. what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh my God, the aqua v! You got to get the aqua v from Iceland. Though I brought home some aqua v in Iceland. That's good stuff. I'll bring that down to you, Angelo. If you run so, out, um, you can just get some turpentine at the hardware store. Oh, that's pretty much what a lot of it is. A lot of that stuff is just turpentine. But oh man, wow. but we are here tonight, um, and you maybe listen during the day, whenever. But it's dark now while we're recording, and we are here with Michael Rogan, the coach of the Alpine team for PSIA AASI, and they just finished their one team training last week. Um, and we're just wondering how it went and what did, what did all of you guys and gals and crew out there focus on Michael? Uh, well, first of all, it's really good to be here. And, and I hope that that telly event, uh, goes big. I mean, Greg Dixon and, and Jim Shaw and, and Keith Rodney, um, you know, are doing a, a great job in the telly discipline and, and it'd be great to see, see telly gain some toehold foothold. Um, you know, that would be really good if it was gross. So here, good to you. And hopefully that event goes well with plenty of snow. Yep. Thanks um, coach. I hope so. Yeah. 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 You know, Dave, uh, look, it's good to be with you guys again. seems like it's been a while. Um, but yes, we just got back from a week in summit County where we stayed in, uh, Keystone and then skied at a rep, Arapahoe basin, a basin. Thank you very much for the hospitality gates, Lloyd and the, the folks at Arapahoe basin, but you know, every every team training is a little bit different uh, from a the things that you have to have to prepare for, or the initiatives that you're looking at at working on, or implementing, or helping um, take place throughout the country, uh, and a little bit of our own our own message. This being the first year of a new team and a team that is short by a year because of uh, because of our world health issues um you know we're we're a little bit under the gun uh we did a little bit of work after the tryouts last spring in breckenridge we had a couple of days thanks to uh 
thanks to all of the, you know, the membership dues and, and those things and Nick setting the money aside and, and Jeb and Dave Schuling, um, you know, making sure it could happen. But we spent a little bit of time there in Breckenridge, just getting to know each other, starting to get the, you know, starting to get the groundwork of uh, how to communicate, um, how to communicate about skiing, how to communicate about things that you, that you encounter on the road or you could encounter on the road, just kind of, uh, I mean, it's not onboarding or orientation, but, uh, but getting people feeling comfortable in their skin. I mean, I, it's, it's an amazing dynamic. And I can remember Sean Smith saying to me, look, oh, yesterday when you weren't on name to the Alpine team or the Nordic team or the cross country team or the snowboard team or the adaptive team, um, you were who you were and 24 hours has gone by and, and we've asked you to be a part of this. And you've said yes, but you're still who you are. Um, and sometimes, sometimes that that being named to a, to a, our national team or or any national body for that matter can can uh, can wake people out a little bit, you know, both from the people that are dealing with it and the the, the reaction of the the folks that uh, that didn't get named or or were close or can't wait to ski with X Y or Z person. So. A little bit of that time is just spending time getting to to know each other. So we spent, uh, you know, Matt Boyd and I, as the coaches, looked at the rooming list and and paired people up based on some similarities and some differences, just to just to get people comfortable chatting. Um, you know, I mean, you got a, the Flynn brothers from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or or Zoe Mavis. Um, you know, you, you don't Kevin Jordan. You don't we don't, you don't know those people. You've been in clinics with them. Um, but it's gone from a kind of a clinician, clinician, clinicer taker to, uh, to a peer role. And, and that dynamic can change a little bit. You know, I mean, it was for me when, when, uh, when I made the team for the first time in 96 with Scott Mathers and Bob Barnes and Jay Evans. Um, and I had a little bit better connection with the people I made the team with Rob Stogard, Terry Barber, Murmur Blakesley, Megan and, uh, and Katie, um, Carl Lundercuffler, you know, so there's just this dynamics that you just got to kind of balance out and even out and get everybody feeling comfortable in their skin and, and understanding that they don't have to have all the answers right away. Um, and, and just, you know, dealing with the fact that sometimes you put a national team patch on a jacket and you give that jacket to that person and, and it can get tight and constrictive and heavy. Uh, and that's undue pressure. There's plenty of pressure to perform when we're out on the road, giving clinics to do our best. Um, creating undue pressures is really unnecessary. So a lot of time was spent there. That's cool. So yeah. um, w- when you get into the meat, you know, yeah. after you, you know, cause I mean, I think it's, it's neat that you kind of get into getting to know each other and get that bond and kind of build some trust before you start going, Hey, do you want to do this in your skiing? Yeah. Um, are there specific focuses as you move through the week of training for certain people? Is there one focus for the team? You know, with last year's tryout, I'm, I imagine there's some thoughts on individuals and also the team focus. I'm just wondering yep. how the balance is there. Yeah. So a um, couple of things took place. We used um, synchronized skiing as a vehicle to start to understand how each other think and relate about skiing. And by making it about synchronized skiing, 
and a couple of specific uh, targets within that. Uh, for example, making sure that everybody found the fall line at the same time. So we were in groups of four, um, but we worked in, in smaller groups of, in pairs of two. And you spent the first day following and leading your partner around. And the only goal was to, to hit, the, hit the fall line at the same time um, with your outside ski. And it was interesting because in, in making that cue, uh, here we go. Huh? We're going to get into something. Angelo's licking his chops here. <laughs> you know, by, by, by instead of internaling how I'm performing and how I want to do, and everybody kind of gets in their own head on the first day, we set, uh, we set a, a goal of hit the fall line at the same time with your outside ski and don't worry about anything else. Um, and by setting that type of a, of a target, you kind of get outside of your own head and you just worry about getting to that spot. Uh, and as a result of that, it was really interesting how people talked about feeling more comfortable on their skis sooner. Um, and maybe it was just because they, we didn't give each other a chance to get into our own head and know oh, I should slow it down and I should do this and I need to make a couple of these and I need to do this drill and this exercise to to feel this body part. You just said, get to the, get your ski to the fall line at the same time. Forget about the width of the quarter. Even we won't even worry about that. Just, just hit the fall line at the same time together. Um, and then we'll worry, we'll add on to that as the week went on. And we did, and we said, once we got comfortable finding the fall line together, hopefully we found it in a row. And then we started to set corridor widths, uh, and the groups would define their corridor width and, and start to to, to play uh, with that. We talked about distance from people. Sometimes you can get so close that you forget about your skiing. And sometimes you get so far away that you can ski well, but it doesn't even look like you're skiing with somebody. So trying to find that, that sweet spot um, vertically and, and side to side. And as a result of that kind of stuff, the conversations then came up about, uh, about transition and how long it was or how short it was or how quick people were to turn their ski versus let the ski go out and then come back. Or if they were quick to, to, to twist the ski. Uh, I mean, that's a conversation that, uh, that we had a bunch of teams ago as to whether you were inherently uh, somebody who tipped their ski and tried to get it to bend, or if you were somebody who twisted your ski uh, to change the radius. And, and you could find people that when, when you asked them that question and you put twisters together or tippers together, it was really easy to find the fall line together. Whereas if you had a, somebody who was a tipper and a twister, uh, then there was, there was more conversation that went on. So we'd flip flop around and you'd find twisters or tippers or um, what have you, uh, and just expand the conversation about how you look at it. How are you trying to accomplish either going slower into the fall line or faster into the fall line? or stay in the fall line a little bit longer. Um, you know, those types of conversations would then happen. And then, uh, and then you would, then the, the discussions on the chair would become, you know, a little technical. Uh, I, I, I hold off on using the term dirt um, because for the longest time, I really never understood it to be quite honest, but I started to understand it more watching these guys and gals ski and looking at their transition and looking how fast they were in this, in the, into the fall line or slow into the fall line or into it and out of it. And, 
and it was really it was really interesting um you know what what took place and and it we ended up talking about can you be consistent one and turns out it's hard to be consistent in your skiing you think you are but if you only ski by yourself or at your own pace in your own lines it's really easy to be consistent with you but not with somebody else consistent enough so somebody can follow you and then two uh predictable um you know can your are your movements predictable can can you go into a turn and i follow uh i follow jonathan blue and go yeah i know what jonathan's going to do here so i know that he's predictable uh, or i hop behind dusty uh dusty dyer or um and shoreling and we could start to can we start to be consistent in what you do so that you can be predictable in your transitions so that you can hit the fall line together and then we start to talk about corridors um and and in by in doing that uh great conversations uh, took place uh about uh how you move through it through transition how you get to the fall line is it fast is it slow is it faster than me is it slower than me can i speed up do you need to slow down um those types of conversations but it was all done and this is over the the course of last year uh and the summertime and all of the all of the talk about queuing and um I mean, if you're not, uh, if you haven't heard the names Nick Winkleman or Nadine Dubin or Dr. Wolf and Luthwaite uh, and optimal learning and internal versus external cueing and Nick Winkleman's language of coaching, um, you need to pay attention to these podcasts more because it's all over this place. Um, and and it's it's really great information. And we were able to establish some some external goals that people just went that way and they didn't get in our, we didn't get in our own head. Uh, and as a result of that, um, our, our skiing started to, to progress pretty quickly. Well, that was long winded. Is that what you're looking for, Dave? Something like that. Yeah, it was. It was Cause <laughs> that, that was his I, next, that was his I, next I'm, three I'm, questions. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, it, 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 it gets me into before I unleash Angelo. Cause I know he's, he's getting excited. Like you said, and I want him to unleash I just wanted, I was curious because I was watching some of the videos and stuff being put out. Jeb put some stuff out and I can't remember who put this video out, but they had. Yeah, who, knew, who knew Jeb was going to be a social media icon? I know. My God, he like it's all beautiful. of a sudden flipped the switch this uh, it's year. Great. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, but somebody put, I think, um, I think Greg Dixon put it out. Um, a video of one of the Flynn brothers. I'm not sure which one it was in front of um, Keith Rodney. Yep. Keith was coming down and they, and I, and they were doing some of that following each other and synchro type stuff. And I'm, I'm, how much did you put the team, you know, with the other disciplines and mix it up like that? Was that something that was part of this thought process you did? And I'm just curious if that was still the same technical focus when you had the crew doing that together. So, um, no, is the answer. Yeah. We, we okay. didn't, we, we didn't do it specifically. Uh, that being said, um, the, the telly guys started to pick up on it. The snowboarders started to pick up on it. I mean, there is, there is this uh, this event next year huh, looming over us called Interski, and and we have we have decided to be better at the the stuff that we normally don't do as much of, like the synchronized skiing, the formation skiing, uh, because we've found that that is our best way to get a to get a toehold to drive other conversations. Um, you know, we're never going to be the the Swiss team that that live together and, and live all within the same Valley of Switzerland. It's just, it's, it's not going to take place. That, that is their job uh, as demo team members is to go to different ski resorts and do night shows. That's just not going to, 
I don't foresee that taking place for us, but it's really good to have conversations with the Swiss about skiing and ski technique and ski teaching. And we've tried it um, by going, no, that's not what we do. And now we're going to try it by going. Uh, it was started with Rob Sogard as the coach, you know, saying, look, if we're going to, if we're going to be here, let's be here and let's, let's get better at it. Um, so we're going to get, we're going to work at it more and more and more. Um, but the, the, the different disciplines, you know, we started to do it right from the get-go and the other disciplines saw and then jump in and, and you put a group of, of highly motivated folks, really good at their job. Uh, oh, and uh, slightly competitive, um, you know, before <laughs> you know it, it yeah, before you know it, it becomes, <laughs> let's try this, let's try that. Where can we switch it up? Yeah. Where can it be interesting? And, and that's when towards the, excuse me, the end of the week, uh, Keith Rodney and, uh, and George or Bart Flynn, um, yeah. you know, started to get into it. And then it's just fun to see who's <laughs> capable of what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, uh, that was fun to watch that video. And I know K rod was what he was, he wanted to stay right there in his tail. <laughs> yep. For sure. So, Angelo, Angelo, go ahead, man. I know you got some, we're talking external cues and, and in the coaching model here. I, I think this is neat to see how the team, you know, was using, trying to get a conversation going and watching each other and just took like a focus, not even like uh, work on this thing. It was see how, if you all could do it the same, you know, consistency and predictability. And I know you got some stuff good. I just, I think it's cool that you practice what you preach, you know, and, and I chuckled because last Saturday I taught a, I taught a full day anatomy webinar, but it's hard to, teach an anatomy webinar when you know about optimal learning and Luthwaite and Wolf, because you have to include that stuff, the external cues. And I just got a text this afternoon from, from one of the guys who was on that, uh, took part in that webinar, Charlie, kid named Charlie Swart skis in Maryland, that great, great guy, great ski coach. And, and he had read their entire, he, he read the optimal learning paper like the one they published for peer review <laughs> and he, and he wanted to make some comments on it, but it, it's cool to see that trickle out through. And, um, and I'm glad that it worked for you, Michael, like it, it got the team skiing real well, real early by focusing on stuff that wasn't internal. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's it, the, that, that's the goal. That was the goal. And, and part of it, I gotta be honest. I mean, the idea of, of hitting, using, I, I'm still figuring this uh, optimal stuff out and, and the, that information and finding out where, where it fits and belongs because uh, so part of it, we, I got lucky and part of it was planned. I'll take 51% of the planned and 49% of the lucky. And then you leave it in the hands again, you leave it in the hands of, of teammates. And the last thing you need to do is, I mean, they got plenty of fuel. You just got to provide a spark and, and they got all the fuel to take it a thousand different ways, but but it worked, uh, and it uh, it was it was great. It was a, it was a good week. I, I feel like everybody got better, learned about each other, and and uh, and excelled. So hey, sorry to cut you off there, Angela. No, I I just before we go any farther because you you've mentioned the team and you've mentioned Interski, I just wonder if you could give your elevator speech to a listener, either a member or, or a non-member who may not know a whole lot about what the team is and what Interski is. Sure. Uh, what are you doing for the next 
hour and a half elevator speech it's only <laughs> it's only a 30 it's a 30 story building man <laughs> and you you've, you're already up to floor eight now yeah fair enough, yeah, fair enough. And, and, and one elevator goes even numbers and the other goes odd so right. what happened. Yeah. Uh, what was the question i don't remember perfect um, what's the what, what's the team and what's interski well our job i mean it's it's the alpine team along with well all of the the, the what is called now the national team which has an alpine discipline uh, a telemark discipline a cross-country discipline a snowboard discipline and an adaptive discipline our job is to be educators of uh of great instruction uh ski and snowboard instruction uh around the country and to to kind of represent not kind of to represent maybe set and establish the values and philosophies that we as an organization uh, hold and hang our hats on, um, whether that be the learning connection model, the skills concepts, um, you know, uh, people skills, teaching fundamentals, um, alpine fundamentals, whatever technique, depending on the discipline, and, and start to and establish those thoughts. And then those thoughts are something that we spend time on the road with uh the 20 or 30 whatever 31,968 people besides the 12 people listen to this <laughs> it's that's your joke he gave guys. us one extra usually yeah, it's 11. <laughs> uh, that dude unsubscribed from the youtube channel it's 10 or down to 10. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but uh but set a direction for education and for ski technique uh within our country um and then represent that not only to our membership but also abroad. And one of those events abroad is a thing called Interski, a thing called Interski. And Interski used to be, long, long time ago, it was a marketing venture. Whoever won Interski and demonstrated the best ski technique and teaching philosophies uh, in centralized Europe got tourism dollars. Um, and if the Austrians could say that they won, then people would go to Austria for vacation. If the French said that they won, then people would go to France. Um, so that's what it started out as a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, and then over time, as the world got smaller and information got better and teaching strategies got better, um, it became a, an educational compare information too. You know, you could, you could travel just as easy to Austria as you could to France or to Germany or Italy. Uh, it didn't really matter. Um, so it was a place where you could go and kind of show your belief system or your philosophy and then compare it to another country's. And if there was something good from another country, see if you could assimilate that idea into your own philosophy or your own system or your own methodology. And, and this happened every four years as a, as a way to just, just to say, Hey, look, you know what, this is how I skin a cat. How do you skin a cat? And see which one works, which one didn't. There might be something that I grabbed from, um, maybe not. Um, it, it's that idea of sharing is all over, all over our philosophy from whether it be from the, you know, from a Central European or the Norwegians or the Swedes. I mean, there's all kinds of examples of, of that taking place. Um, we'd have to do another five podcasts here to get into that. But uh, then over time, it became the synchronized skiing competition where that became the important part, where the education started to drop 
and the synchronized skiing, the formation skiing, the ski instructors in a GS course. I mean, really, who wants to see that? It's like seeing 50-year-old men in speed suits. It's just, you know, you're better off just not reading the book and imagine, let your own imagination do it. Um, so it became that, and then it got away from education. Uh, but now it is very much back to an exchange of information. There are workshops. There are lectures. There are keynote lectures. Um, there, there are some demonstration formation skiing for sure. Um, and it's a great exchange of information uh, from other countries. And, and we can participate. Our membership can go. The next one is next year in Finland in March. Uh, and you can participate as a delegate from the U.S. in your ski and go to all of the workshops and go to the all of the lectures and go to all of the on snow stuff and be a part of, of 99% of it. Um, and it's really cool to spend time again, just, you know what you do in, in Western Pennsylvania, Angelo and your staff. But when you get to chat, you get to compare that to what somebody does in, in the high Alps of the Arlberg uh, or in the shadow of the Mont Blanc, you know, uh, it's it's pretty cool to see what is similar and what's different. Um, and to, to again, it it makes us as a country and as a team define and decide what our message is uh, so that it then can be brought not only to inner ski, but more importantly, um, it then dictates and drives content for our membership. And that's that's very there's a difference here. And I know that I'm running on. You probably got more questions, but. No, I'm liking this. One of the things that lots of countries will do is they'll have one-off workshops. Like we went to, uh, we decided that uh, we're going to do a study on uh, on a snowplow turn versus a parallel turn for beginners. Uh, and we did a study that says that 92%, blah blah blah, whatever, were more successful at a basic parallel or at a parallel. Uh, entry into skiing or direct parallel or a, or a wedge or a snowplow entry. And they'll have us studies and, and that's, those are really good. They're fun. Uh, different from that, we try and perpetuate a message that instead of preparing a message for inner ski, we try and prepare and perpetuate information and message for our membership. And then that gets presented at inter ski. Uh, and that's a little bit different way of, of going about it. Um, and, and I think that I feel that it's, it's really good because we, we perpetuate a message. Like we came out with the skiing fundamentals a bunch of years ago. And, and those were the, those were the, the new thing that we were going to talk about in a ski, but we were also going to introduce a difference between people skills and teaching skills. Uh, and that was in, in Ushuaia where we started this conversation. And then in Bulgaria, we were able to explain how a little bit further down the road we are. Now we're going to go back to Finland and give information about where we've gotten to in this, this idea. Um, so instead of having one-off things that are just a topic like the, the science of snow crystallization with wax preparation and space structure, um, and how fast it works or that aerodynamics is not a determining factor in giant slalom skiing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a message. Of, there's always going to be a message about uh, ski technique. There's always going to be a message about uh, our people skills. And there's always going to be a message about our, our teaching skills. 
um, at this point, because it's still all under development at different stages of that development. And when you can perpetuate a message, I feel like that's, it sets the next team up for success. It, it seems to me the last, definitely there's an evolution of where the team, and I could be wrong here. That's what I'm asking. When I first came into the membership as a member back in the early nineties, mid nineties, and interski wasn't as big a thing as it is for you guys now. And as the team, the crew, you know, all the, and I mean, last time it was, I think it was really neat that you put out all the, all the women on the team had a ski at the last yeah. interski and, and things like that. And it just seems like you're using interski to really launch things that you're already oh. doing here in the U S or you're using it as a vehicle for like, okay, what are we doing next as a team? You know, what are yep. we going to do for our membership? And then what are we going to bring for interski next? Cause that was, talking about the people skills, teaching skills, you posed that question as a team at one of the interskis. Yeah. We asked what might, I mean, we went, we went on a, on a fact finding mission of what other countries think makes a great ski instructor. You know, what, what is it that makes a great ski instructor? And out of that came a bunch of information that we took back and said, well, wait a minute, there's some differences here. Some of it is about teaching and, and the, and that became our teaching fundamentals, but there's some other things that, that might be about your emotional intelligence and how you interact with people. And, and that could be different. And as we picked around a little bit more and more and more, we found out that, that clearly, yes, there for us, the way that we look at things, there, there is a little bit of a difference there. So we then made that change of, of um, you know, that, that statement that says there's difference and it doesn't seem like much. I, I said this, I said this to, to all of us, the Alpine group, uh, going into to Argentina that, you know, it might not seem like much right here, right now, as we get started, right? We're going to start right here. And we're just going to start to the goal is to get over there. But right here, there's just a little bit of difference. You know, I mean, this is, this is road construction and civil engineering 101. If you're a half a degree off here, the further down the road you go, things start to go, they're noticeably different. Um, and, and I feel like that's where we are. We're, we're quite a ways down this road and, uh, and, and some people have done some amazing, amazing work. I mean, the, the task force is the task forces that, uh, that are out there, you know, the, that Matt Boyd is, is heading up. Um, I, I'd get them all, I would forget somebody's name and I don't want to do that, but the teaching task force and the, the people skills task force that in Shoreling, uh, and Brian Smith and Josh Fogg and Robin farms with Matt Boyd. And um, I, there's a whole bunch that I'm going to miss. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm going to skip everybody versus just leave out one person. Uh, but th that work that they're doing is unbelievable. I mean, it is amazing. And it really, really, really can help us be better educators of snow sport uh, and just better educators in, in general. And, and therefore, uh, not only better, I feel like it's going to help us be better educators like our, our <laughs> to use a, a popular term, our output is going to improve and, and get better. But also our, our input, our ability to be students at other things because of, of our understanding, uh, I feel like is, is really also, is, is also going to help. I mean, I, I know that I'm a better, I'm a better student in golf lessons um, because of my understanding of what a good lesson is like and, and what good uh, social interaction is like and uh, how to cue things 
And if I don't get it from the, my coach, I can, I can get it from myself so that I can turn that information into something that I can then try and perform better. So it's, it's, it's outstanding. And Dave Schuling, um, I mean, that guy is a workhorse for our organization and deserves 12 times more credit than he's going to get. Um, but the work that he's done with Pete Allison and uh, in, in Penn State is, is just the stuff that, that is going on and, and with the task forces. Uh, I mean, it is, I, I hope word gets past the 11 people that are, are listening to, to the three of us here tonight because it's, it's outstanding. And, and how much of this is um, because, uh, you know, I think of some of the people who have been on the team for a while, yourself and Robin and Matt and Jeb have been there and, and Jonathan's been on there a few terms. He's going to third or fourth term now. Yep. And there's got to be an evolution. And I know you've talked about it a little bit. I think in our last podcast last year, you talked about the evolution of a team member. I know you want to talk about that tonight because part of my thought process was as you go into training, how much is there an evolution and how does the team members roles evolve and how does it work into this stuff? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, yes, there's a tremendous, hang on, before we get there, Angelo, did, did that answer did that go too far off the base as far as what Innerski was and what it was all about? No. Okay, good. That was right on. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, there is, <laughs> there is an evolution of, of a team member. I think, you know, I can remember having, when I first made the Alpine team in 96, um, I can remember talking with Megan Harvey um, about how many terms she was wanted to try out for. And we had this discussion about, you know, I, I always felt that it was kind of a, there are no term limits. There have been, there has been talk of term limits. Um, probably talk of term limits when my name comes up because I, I don't seem to go away, <laughs> but, uh, um, but I feel like I'm still, uh, I'm still in, I'm still contributing. So, um, but there's been talk of that, but, you know, I think that the first term as a team member, again, before we named this group in Breckenridge in the spring, um, 24 hours later, your, your name gets put on a sheet of paper and, and you become a representative of the, of the organization. And you haven't changed as a person, and your your knowledge hasn't necessarily changed. Um, and you still get we all still get nervous and jittery and antsy um, and 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 question our confidence uh, at times if a clinic is going well or not going well, particularly not going well, or you just don't seem to connect. Uh, so I feel like this conversation with Megan was, you know, it seems like there might be a three, a three term kind of evolution where the first term you're just, you're feeling yourself out. You're just kind of getting comfortable in your own skin and gaining some confidence being uh, representing what, what it is you, you represent. And sometimes that pressure is unfairly placed upon you. Uh, and then the second term, you really start to understand your role within the job and the organization, and you really start to, to blossom. And then the, the third term is one where you, you, you're the one that is now comfortable and you got to help somebody else feel comfortable. You know, somebody who's there for the first term. And, um, and every single time that there's turnover amongst the team, you lose, you lose a person like, uh, a Heidi Etlinger or a Jennifer Simpson or an Eric Lipton or a Dave Lyon who are in places 
legendary status and iconic within our organization. Everybody knows them. People can't wait to ski with them. Um, and and you, but you gain somebody like a Zoe Mavis or George and Bart Flynn uh, or a Troy Walsh, um, Kevin Jordan or a Mike Hafer. Uh, and, but you gain somebody like that who who are just, I mean, Troy Walsh, since you guys are based out of the East, I mean, Troy Walsh is in and of himself is, is wonderfully regarded in the Eastern division. I, I'd like to think so. I, I hope so. Yes. If he's Very not, much so. if he's not, he better be because he's that yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and um, so, so Troy at a, an event like the master's Academy, people have, have known they've taken clinics from Troy. They know how unbelievably good Troy is. Um, and Troy, for, it, it's great for us as an organization to have somebody like Troy representing us as a part of the, the national team now to, to have a bigger audience maybe and to go see other parts of the country and then bring that information back to the East Coast. I mean, that's where, that's where the, the growth is going to be. But when somebody, when somebody like the Bart, the, the Bart Flynn shows up, um, you know, or, or Kevin Jordan shows up uh, that you don't know. And uh, they're there as a national team member. Nobody knows them, but they know who, uh, you know, they know who Robin Barnes is. Well, everybody, the tendency is to want to gravitate towards Robin because that's a known commodity. Uh, and you know what you're, you've skied with them before. You've got friends that have skied with them before, her before. So you know it's going to be something. But I can tell you that uh, whether it be... Bart Flynn or George Flynn or uh, Mike Hafer is, is back on the team. So you kind of, he's been at master's Academy. So you got to know what that is or, or Zoe Mavis or Kevin Jordan. Um, you know, you, when you have somebody who's new boy, it's awfully good to, to get behind those people and help them become successful because, because Dave Miriam was not the Dave Miriam that everybody knows and loves uh, on his first Academy or his first clinic as a team member, especially not out of the East coast. He was a level three certified instructor. He wasn't an examiner. Nobody expected Dave Miriam to make the team. And lo and behold, he did because he had something special and people allowed that specialness to, to come out and then to support it and then to help them polish it and then to refine it so that Dave Miriam was able to become, he was able to become Dave Miriam. Um, you know, Sean Smith was the same way. I was certainly the same. We're all the same way. It, it happened. Murmur Blakesley, um, you know, she was that same person um, that go through those challenges. And, and as we move close to the Masters Academy and you interact with new team members, um, I feel like it's a little bit of our job to make sure that, that we keep, you know, prodding them up. And it's not to stroke an ego by any stretch of the imagination, but but let's help them be successful because our job is to help you be successful. And that's when there's a really great memorable uh, event is when I help somebody else be successful. And then if somebody else can help me be successful, then I appreciate that. And then, you know, one hand washes the other and a rising tide floats all boats. And and we have new team members coming out and we have expanded team. Mm. It's not just the Alpine side, you know, it's, it's the telly side. Um, It's on the cross country side. Um, Emily and, and Zeke and, and Thule. Um, it's on the, the adaptive side um, and on the snowboard side. So, so as new team members come out there, I, it's, it's important to 
help them be successful by not stroking their egos, but supporting them and making sure that the, that if we trip up, which we're going to do, you do it from, from shoulder to shoulder and not face to face. Um, and we grow and learn and, and then everything gets better. And again, the floating tide raises all boats. So, um, you know, as we go out onto the road in the season, we start to encounter more and more new team members as membership. Um, let, let's support each other in, in that role of, of all of us getting better so that we can help you all get better. I mean, that's, that's yeah. kind of the, that's kind of the goal there. So that's enough. That's probably enough of my. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask for a little more because I kind of yeah. a leading question, but um, you know, when, when we look at training is going to start at the home mountains and yep. Angela and I both have led and continue to lead training at our home mountains here in the East coast up at Atatash and uh, Wildcat also with uh, Tim Gilbert, who helps me out there. He runs most of the day-to-day stuff up there. Angela's been doing it down Southwest PA. How can our training managers, training coordinators here in the East and everywhere in the U.S. take more of this idea and support people? Like, How, how should we be setting up some of our training, not necessarily the, the particulars of what tech, technical stuff to work on, but when it comes to our people skills, teaching skills, is there some some thoughts you have on saying, Hey, think about this when you're setting up your training, yeah. for your home mountain staffs to set people up for success and support them. Yeah. I, I think a conversation that we often have is talking about outcomes. Um, and I feel like um, that if we, if you consider defining some outcomes uh, and then striving to them, for example, uh, a student comes to a ski lesson and uh, they don't necessarily come to a ski lesson. Uh, I'm going to, this is a conversation that Robin and I uh, had a, a couple of, on the travel back from training is that they, I don't know if people come to ski lessons to learn how to hand, hold their hands in front of them. <laughs> I really don't. I, I feel like they come to ski lessons to, to s- control their speed better uh, or to go faster or to go slower or to, be better at either a condition that exists uh, at their home mountain all the time or go to a new condition. Um, And I feel like those are the types of things that people want to learn. And if they leave a lesson going, well, I learned how to keep my hands in front of me. uh, I think we made, we missed the boat. And I feel like in training, when it comes to teaching, you know, you can, you can establish some, uh, with the staff, with your staff or a staff, whatever it is, you know, why are people, why do people come? Why does this person come to a lesson and talk about it often before the lesson, after the lesson, during the lesson, um, kind of debrief it with the, with the coach. Uh, people aren't, I don't think people are coming to a lesson to learn how to hold their hands in front of them. I, I think they're coming to a lesson to learn how to, how to turn a little better, control their speed a little better, change the direction a little quicker or slower, manage a condition. One of the things that we do from a t- mechanical, technical technique point of view is to work on holding your hands up. But uh, but we should always relate things to to that outcome of wanting to go slower or go faster or control your speed or control your direction or try a new a new pitch or a different challenge um, and not get too too caught up with making the lesson about well you got to hold your hands forward. Um, you know, I mean, that you look at that in the fundamentals, um, you know, are, do you really need to work on fundamental number three 
Um, a, well, first of all, there is no order. There was never meant to be an order. Um, we had to put things in order. <laughs> so anybody that thinks that there was a, there should be an order uh, in certain divisions or certain areas, you know, they seem to take an order. But uh, but I would say, depending on your outcome, that order could shift or twist uh, or shuffle. Um, but it's the application of that fundamental. Like, yeah, four and a half, moving along the length of the ski is important, but don't go out and work on moving along the length of the ski. Take it, take, utilize moving along the length of the ski as a way to uh, ski powder better or, or handle moguls better um, or make a, make a better short turn. Um, or to, so that, so that becomes, you know, slowing down or speeding up or handling a pitch or a flatter section of the trail. Um, make it about the, about real life outcomes, about what people are. I feel like people really come to a lesson for versus, boy, I, ooh, I really need to, I need to really work on the re the overall magnitude of my pressure. Okay. Yes, you might need to, but it's probably because you want to ski moguls or, Vermont just got a, a foot of new snow or Pennsylvania, or I'm going out to, to big sky Montana for the Academy. And I've never skied in spring conditions that are that deep. Well, okay. Then we're going to deal with, we're going to deal with dealing with the overall magnitude pressure, but that's not what you came to the lesson for. Uh, and I feel like if you could train that way, if you take a little bit of that thought process into training, um, I feel like goals, goals would meet a little bit better from a, from a trainer and training to a, to a student. Go ahead, Angel. That's that's sorry. That was my phone that rang. That's inappropriate. Um, oh, I didn't even hear it. I oh, just knew cool. you had something. You're smiling. <laughs> no, Whatever you're smiling. Yeah. Cause my phone rang. I, Shit. Yeah, I um, no, I just think it's cool. And I, I, and, and it touches back on what you were saying a bit ago about the evolution of the, um, the people skills from the, mm -hmm from the teaching skills, like teasing out these people skills. And it's like the opposite of final forms. It's actually listening to what somebody says when they come up to you and they say, I want to keep up with my kids, you know, and, and they're coming out there and they're telling you they want to go faster. Like that's basically what they're telling you. And then we tell them to get their hands up and make a bigger wedge. So we slow them down <laughs> and make them look like Frankenstein. You know, better example it, than I could come up with, Angelo. Better yeah, example than I could come up with. I've been Great thinking example. about it for a while. But uh, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like it, it it's about yeah. it's about actually hearing and and knowing the people that you're 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 um working with. They'll come out and they'll tell you what what they want. And then, yeah. you know, but if you have that stock go to this is how I do it, this is how we I've always done it, it's it just ain't it. And we still need to know the technical stuff. But we need sure. to know, we as the instructor need to know what goes into being able to keep up with my kids or being able to slow my kid down or being able to slow down. Um, or we need to, to know that stuff. But I don't know if that always needs to come out in the marquee of lesson content. You can get to it, but. Yeah, sneak it yeah. in there. Yeah, or make it just make it about the outcome. I want to keep up with my kids, so this is what turn shape needs to look like. Yeah. You want to go faster? Okay, go straight. Yeah, you know, turn Stu Campbell. Thank you, Stu. <laughs> uh, turn downhill to go faster, not uphill to go slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. 
We got to write that down. Good thing we're recording. We can write it down. Later. <laughs> we can watch um, it again and again. <laughs> watch it again and again. Hey, our, but, our, our, view, our views keep going up. That's because Dave keeps oh, watching that one with Rogan again. <laughs> That's right. I, I just watched that same one, man. It's up there over a thousand, but I've watched it like a thousand one. So when I get bored, but it, it, you kind of answered my next question. And, but I, I know you'll be able to probably put a little in there. I mean, I was asking you, you know, you've traveled around. You kind of talked about it with Interski. You talked about it with Team Evolution. You know, Troy's been here in the East, and now Troy's going to be traveling around the country a little bit more, going to Interski next year. So with all the experiences, the coach, I, I think you already gave us your answer right there, what to focus on in training. But I was kind of asking, you know, what is the big thing that we as a teaching country or what ski instruction in the U.S. or maybe in different zones? I don't know if you feel it's different in different regions of the country, but I was curious as to what we really needed to work on as a group to get better. And I'm wondering if what you just told us to focus on in training is probably it. Or is there more to it? I mean, I'm curious if you think our visual image as a group that we put out on the hill is is where it should be, or should that be improved? Well, look, that can always be improved, and and I will be the first to say that I will I will point the finger looking in the mirror. Um, you know, it's I. There's always work that that can be done from a consistency and predictability. Um, point of view. Um, you know, I mean, we all have the things that we, that we gravitate towards. Uh, I think different divisions within the, the U S uh, have certain style to it. You know, what you find in, in mammoth mountain, California, um, and what you find in, uh, wisp, um, you know, are, are, are going to be a little bit different. Um, it's it's inherent in the terrain you know if you have if you have skiing that is tended generally hard snow in nature versus soft snow you, you know there's some there's some basic differences if you have hills that are long and steep versus short and not as steep there's some there's just some basic ways that that we all ski the ski area uh that were around in, in similar ways um I feel like, you know, trying to figure some of those out and breaking those molds is, is a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I can remember going to Boston Mills and Brandywine. Love the place. Had a wonderful time. They have a run called Tiger. It's their steepest run. It's right in front of the, the base lodge. Um, uh, but was it Tiger? Was it Boston? Uh, anyway. Um, could have been a Welch or something. I don't know. There's a run over at Welch that's pretty steep. And we went for a clinic and off we went down Welch. And we were told, hey, you can't take your warm-up run down down that run. We never take a warm-up run down that run. Okay, let's take a warm-up run down that run. I mean, that's the type of when we do an, we do a pattern breaker themed academy or workshop at the academy, elective in the afternoons. And it's just that, just to just to recognize your patterns. We all do it. We all ski the same trails the same way by ourselves. We make the same turns in the same spot. We go up the same lifts go over here because that's good snow and that's not a side hill. I feel like we talked about this um, in, in a, a different, you know, a year or so ago, but just breaking some of those, those podcasts. But as, as an organization, yeah, I feel like, I feel like we can always work on, 
um, precision, accuracy. I mean, those are two things that Bruno Gabetta beat into me at Pico way back when, precision, accuracy. We can all work on our transitions being consistent and predictable. Um, but then again, we also need to, to work on uh, the playful side of things and, and the fun side of things that we don't, you know, we don't become connected to or too focused on looking like a, a thing. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, it could happen if we wanted to take uh, if we wanted to take our our exam criteria and standards and our exam board of ex- our examining body across the country and and lop about ninety percent of that off. And you had twenty five people that gave exams around the country. You could get you could get pretty consistent as far as what is expected pretty quickly. Um, but that's that, that might not be the right. Uh, that's an answer. It would work. Uh, but I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's an answer that that everybody wants to to know or hear or think about. You know that that our our best for uh, for consistency point of view, transparency. Um, you know, our, our one of our best foot forwards could be to to just not have ninety percent of the examiners that we have. Not because they're bad, but because with that amount of people, it gets the, the you know again just a little bit of a variance suddenly goes a long way and it's hard to train 15 1500 examiners where it's really easy to to be consistent with 25 i mean the the telephone game works that way that's why it's the telephone game you know you got a few fewer people and the tell the message gets easier um and and then from a is that that, that's from a technical point of view you know adaptation adaptability versatility those are big things for me at our tryouts in the springtime national team tryouts precision accuracy adaptability, versatility. Uh, Scott Mathers was, was famous saying at an academy one time, you know, if you can't do it, you ought to be able to. Um, so, so as, as, as staff, as whether it be education staff or their general membership, precision and accuracy, adaptability, versatility, um, predictability, consistency. Those are all broad stroke things that I feel like, uh, that I feel like can always get worked on within our scheme. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Awesome. That kind of leads right in, Angelo. If we uh, think about part one here and because we want to talk about the new standards rollout and a little bit of how the learning connection model fits into that. And then we have some other fun questions along some equipment and stuff. Cause I can't do a podcast with Michael Rogan and not ask about some equipment and, and some things you do with it. Cause that's just, I, I want to make sure I know, cause I know you do a lot more to your equipment than I do. I like taking them out of the wrapper, throwing them down and seeing if they actually perform before I do anything to them. But we'll chat about that in part two. I, I do part of that as well. I, I'm just prepared that if they don't work, that I go in and tinker. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're just going to uh, take a short break, but you guys won't notice because you can just hit part two when we load it up. But uh, this is the fall line with chaos and company. And uh, we want to make sure we send a shout out to our sponsors with Blizzard Technica helping us out, the friends of the podcast, and also Nick's boot fitting over at Mount Snow. We'll see you on the next episode of the fall line with chaos and company.